I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of both of those things. Well, we can't blame Trump for this. Yes, we can. This is Red All Over, your graceful alias Grace recap. Let me in. Still scary after all these years. <laughs> Molly's so scared. Oh, so scared. Hi, redheads. Hello. We oh, my have gosh. Missed you. It's so good to be back. It's quite I missed lovely. you. I missed you, too. I mean, we saw each other before my birthday. And we text basically nonstop. We do text but... all the time. <laughs> I missed your physical presence. Yes. I missed your physical presence as well. Aww. It is intoxicating. Oh, And you're wearing such a beautiful, like, fur collar sweater today. Like, Maybe. I have been running into some ladies in some fabulous sweaters. Thank and you. it is really making me feel like I had to step my game up. This is Target's Morona collection. Mm. Perhaps you've heard of it. Oh, indeed. <laughs> I own several Morona pieces myself. Love it. It's been a while since we've recorded. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And these will likely be the last podcast we record of 2017. Probably, yeah. yeah probably. We have some plans for a holiday special, but I'm going to be out of town. Yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> and I'm already, well, uh, on my other podcast, like The Crown is coming out within two weeks of Peaky Blinders coming out. So uh-huh. we're trying to like get as much of that done as possible. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I'm not like super optimistic. <laughs> yeah, because The Crown sucks. Oh my god, you're so wrong. <laughs> you're like the wrongest. I watched the first episode last night and I was so freaking happy. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So but, we might not get to a holiday. Yeah, we special. might not get to a holiday. We're going to do the best that we can. So we'll figure yeah. out various things. But I mean, The Handmaid's Tale is coming back in April, which is so much sooner than we all think it is. And it's right after March Sadness, which we are definitely doing. Oh my god, I forgot about March Sadness. Okay, maybe that'll be our big comeback. Maybe that will be our big comeback. I'm going to work on that. Okay, so um, Molly, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> We've been here for years. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of March Sadness is that we will be pairing off sad authors. Is that the idea? I th- yeah, I think it's just like sad girls. Sad girls. Oh, yeah. girls specifically. Okay, sad I girls. I don't know. So We'd have to go back and listen to the episode, and I don't remember which one it is, so we'll figure it out. We'll All figure right. it out. Put a pin in that one. Yeah. Before we get into the discussion, I posted on a Red All Over Facebook page yesterday uh, asking for things that redheads wanted us to discuss, and if they just wanted a shout out. So I'm going to go through the thread real quick. Regular commenter, Dragus Ills. Hope that's how you pronounce your name, bud. wants us to discuss other shows you would want to discuss shows one or both of you like shows you might want to watch shows 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 okay cool well you love the crown right no i fucking hate the crown the crown's so boring i think we should discuss if you ever watch it i think we should do a one-off episode about harlots because i think that's a standout show you know i keep meaning it's like i literally have like a notepad Mm -hmm. document of like all these like shows and movies that like i quote unquote mean to watch Mm -hmm. so i want to check it out i just haven't yet I have Hulu. Like, there's nothing standing in my way. You're busy. Except that it keeps not telling me about it because I'm really caught up in watching the Will and Grace revival and all the old episodes. So, Oh, I want to watch that. You know what? I am really enjoying it. The they just did a really terrific Christmas episode where it's like set in 1912 and they're all playing like versions of themselves. Where can I watch that? On Hulu. Shut the front door. Wow. And my man master is gone this weekend. So somebody's (gasps) hell yeah. I'm so excited. It's the revival is terrific. (sighs) Although I didn't watch the first episode. The first episode is very like Trump centric. And like it's like a direct sort of like thing with Trump, which like, I don't know. I don't like it when my sitcoms are ripped from the headlines. Uh, Like that's what Law and Order is for. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, I would love to watch that. And uh, just as a sort of housekeeping note to people suggesting shows for us. There will never, ever, ever, ever be a time on this podcast where we cover a male-centric show. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. Quit asking. So stop suggesting the deuce. We're not going to fucking watch the deuce, okay? No interest in the deuce. (laughs) The only... If we ever deviate from at Woody and stuff, it is going to be female-centered stuff that we like. So get off of our dicks. We're not going to do that. What else am I watching? I'm watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane the Virgin which are two excellent woman centric shows yes who also both like had the most like low key abortion subplots I've ever seen on TV which is amazing they were just like hey this is just the thing that women do well don't tell me anything about this new season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend I will not I won't tell you anything I have to wait till it's on Hulu but I I am so freaking excited I don't think I'm even caught up like I just like I don't watch I barely want to watch TV (laughs) 
<laughs> that's like only semi true. Like you think that we don't hang out to not create content. I barely <laughs> watch TV to not create content. I have been like mainlining called midwife because oh. we are covering it for our Patreon supporters on my other podcast. What's your other podcast called? Up yours downstairs. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just been a lot of podcast TV. I for the you. old Kelster. Girl, I feel you. Yeah. Vehemently. What um, are you what are you doing these days? Um not much. <laughs> <laughs> I was kinda writing, chilling, you know. Car- uh, shout out to Caroline Brown, who says she wants us to think about, especially in the early chapters, how Dr. Jordan talks about making Grace open up to him versus how Grace speaks about opening up. I'm thinking specifically of the roasting beet metaphor and when Grace talks of the splitting open like a ripe peach. Okay, so pay attention to that. I will. And I know that that's your favorite part is the spitting spitting is you love to spit peaches god do i love to spit peaches <laughs> just there's sitting nothing out, in this world that i love better. sitting out on the porch in your rocker just spitting peaches hollering peppa chris peppa chris so i think that'll be a funny thing to look for because there's this very male assumption that he has that he cracked something when it's like she's like eh, i threw him a bone today <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of funny frequent commenter again mary butcher fegley fegley i believe we pronounce it differently every time wants us to i've f- never said it out loud so well <laughs> i'm like that one <laughs> that picture <laughs> that lady who was a very cute family she says flesh out the hypno confessional hard we're gonna do that next episode yeah gracie wank says i'm excited for this podcast and gracie i'm excited for that puppy in your profile picture <laughs> K.R. Middleton says she just watched a show with Rebecca Lidard called Slasher, and it's really good. So, Ooh, that sounds way more up my alley than your alley. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. So apparently it's on Netflix, so check that out if you like. I'm going to check it out because I loved her. Who plays uh, Mary Whitney. Yeah, the- she was so great in this. She should be in all the things. Agreed. Daniel Daddick would like us to cover the details of the actual uh, historical case, which I think that's an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. We didn't have our shit together enough to do that today. This podcast is not about having your shit together. It's about girl power. <laughs> That'll be the slogan on our new t-shirts. Yeah. Because uh, y'all didn't buy the old ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what the hell was that about? Just kidding. Some of you did and you look great. Great. So we'll probably do an episode of the new year where we talk about that. Wes Stevenson, commenter on Twitter and Facebook, sometimes saying the same thing, is excited for our podcast. Hashtag EconoWife super cool then i would also like to shout out oh this is very sweet the last comment on this thread is very nice it's from stephanie m creamer who says just want to say how much i enjoy you both so much it's comforting to have friends she says in quotes to distract me from the shit show that is our current times stephanie don't put those quotes we are your friends yeah we met in person we're legit ass friends now. Stephanie Kramer, what you talking about? We're friends, okay? <laughs> so I wish you would legitimize our friendship and stop putting quotes around it. Accept my friend request. Please. JK, yeah, well, that's great. I don't want to be Facebook friends with I any of you guys. I love our redheads so much. Yes, I love them I a hope lot. everybody's having like a chill ass holiday season too. Excellent. And shout out to everybody who participated in Kelly's birthday week events. Yes. We raised, gosh, was it $300 for I think rain? so, yeah. It was great. You guys did an excellent job. You guys, uh, I think so. Some of you dropped some books, just participated the heck out of it. I, God, doesn't that feel like such a long time ago? It does. <laughs> it feels like last year. But our fans are the best. And if you want to know, want to get in on this sweet, sweet fan action, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash right all over. And if you want to find us individually on the Twitters, because we talk to each other a lot, Molly is at Serious Molly. And Kelly is at Kelly Anakin. Yeah. Pretty simple. Done. Let's talk about Grace, baby. Hey, Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Let's talk about all the murders and the peaches that may be. Let's talk about Grace. Oh. <laughs> now, y'all know the plot to this, so it's not, it's not, we're not going to go bit by bit because it's just why. Can we talk about just some general impressions of Grace? Yes. I don't know. I just. It's almost like an Atwoodian observ- like an, an observation of Margaret Atwood. Not like I'm like, get it? But Grace, I think, is the most unreliable narrator I've ever read. That is, so- I was reflecting on this. Really? I was walking to get us bagels this morning. And I was <laughs> like, I think Grace is the most unreliable nader- narrator of all time. Mm-hmm. That I've read. I, you know, there's a whole slew of books that I haven't had time to read yet. What? I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't even watch TV anymore. Oh. <laughs> but I just think, you know, she tricks you as the reader into thinking that you're gaining some of her confidence. Mm. And to a degree you are. However, 
by the end of the book, you're like, because we know that she changes events to suit mm-hmm. her audience. And it's like, whoa, bitch, the whole time? Yeah. You're just saying what you thought I wanted to hear, which is like, you know, accurate. I heard a lot of stuff in there. I was like, whoa, this story is interesting. That's so interesting because just like the first time I read this, this time around, I was fully on board with like, yep, Grace is not innocent, but like is taken over by something. Mm-hmm. Grace is not nefarious. I get it. I'm in here. And I don't know why I got that impression so much more from the book than I did from the TV show. Probably because mm-hmm. you can't see her face. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's it's it makes the reveal at the end when she's like, I kind of just change my story depending on who I'm talking to much more. Well, yeah, and then the reader's like, I thought I was special. And she's like, nah, bitch. <laughs> I also would like, I don't know you. <laughs> I also would like to respectfully rescind my opinion from the last episode of the TV recap where i'm like <gasps> no this is all her letter writing to simon jordan it's like no bitch she 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 doesn't begin the letter writing narrative until the very very last chapter thank so you i'm vindicated you should be vindicated i apologize i love being vindicated <laughs> yeah but she's just so unreliable and i have this memory i have this fun memory mm-hmm. of being at the lakeview library in Oakland, yes. in the Grand Lake neighborhood. Okay. And I remember, I think this was around the time that I w- first got into like Oryx and Craig. Mm. And I picked up a copy of Alias Grace. I'm like reading the dust jacket. And I'm like, oh, this sounds stupid, Margaret Atwood. Why would you even write this? Nobody fucking cares about Victorian murderesses. <laughs> and I am amazed at how much I freaking love this story now. It's like, the- I love it. It's like a magic eye poster to me really i just yeah and i'm just like sifting through it and i get different things i got different things out of the tv show than i got out of the book i got different things out of the audiobook than i got out of the you know full unabridged text Mm -hmm. version Mm -hmm. i am just very pro alias grace i like it a lot too i definitely appreciated it more in this reading than i did last time i read it i still think uh, i don't know i uncovered a lot more at woody and things about it this reading than I did the last time. So I'm I'm pleased to be talking about it. Well, and I mean, just some sort of general things. So the sections of this book, instead of being called, you know, Night, uh, all of them, <laughs> <laughs> like The Handmaid's Tale, they're all names of different quilt patterns, yeah. which I didn't realize because yep. in the audiobook, I don't think they go into that. Mm-hmm. And then the epigrams from the television show mm-hmm. are all epigrams from the book. But what's interesting is I've noticed there are certain instances where they switch them around like uh, oh yeah definitely yeah. well because i mean they there were more epigrams in the book mm-hmm. than there were episodes of the show right. so i think it was i thought it would be interesting to look at what they chose and then i didn't do that so I know. you know i know everybody's busy i'll go ahead and <laughs> i so i'm reading this on a ebook so it's a little harder to parse out what I put, but I my first note comes on page 19 in the chapter Rocky Road, aka Grace's favorite kind of ice cream. And it is, I believe it's Dr. Jordan describing his vision of, of how the hanging went. And so he's reading these accounts from people who were at the scaffold and watching uh, James McDermott being hanged. And he talks about the women who bring their like kids to watch and like all these women watching and he he says about the woman he says we venture to say that they were not very delicate or refined and i thought this was so telling because he's looking at a situation where a man is being put to death for killing another man so the man is in trouble here Mm -hmm. and he still finds a way to criticize the woman (laughs) that's so (laughs) fucked up fuck you dr jordan yeah it's sorry it's in the toronto mirror never mind it's not him saying that it's a a real excerpt from the toronto mirror well but i mean what we know about dr jordan is he's very much in line Mm -hmm. even as he he has this conception of himself as being this very progressive man yeah with all of these theories you know he's a a fledgling alienist Mm -hmm. oh that's a show i'm excited about the alienist i saw that and thought of you oh man i love that book anyway i might cover that for my other podcast we're not sure yet anyway but so he is this fledgling alienist and he thinks he's so forward thinking Mm -hmm. but he's still so mired in his conception of women yeah that is what allows grace marks to play him like a fiddle absolutely and I think it's important that Margaret Atwood included this excerpt from The Mirror, real excerpt from November 23rd, 1843. I I think it's important to include this because it shows kind of the conceit of this whole book is that like everybody wants to condemn these murderers and these poor people and these low women 
but they also want to watch and they also want a piece of them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of like about- Britney Spears. Oh God, I love that song. That song's so great. So great. <laughs> Sidebar, t- <laughs> should we go to Vegas and see Britney Spears? Molly, this is the greatest idea you've ever had. Okay, anyway. And then talk about it on the podcast. No! We, <laughs> we can have friendship that's not on the air. I'm skeptical. Or, or we could get our big redhead field trip together to go see <laughs> Britney Spears. Oh my God. Redhead conference? Okay. <gasps> we'll discuss this off the air. Can but- we call it the participation? <laughs> par brit well let's we'll workshop work this out in post, yeah <laughs> so yeah so uh, she talks about how people want to consume tawdry things secondhand and that's sort of the whole this whole book even us reading this book about this woman murder is us being ghoulishly inclined to consume other people's trauma bam if these weren't your mics i would drop it get it get it <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. The other thing that's sort of overarching that I noticed when I was rereading, I was rereading it sort of in conjunction with watching the show. That's right. Which is weird. I just happened to be out of town like when the show was on and I bought the book. I was like, I'm just going to read this now. And they make a lot in the book. And this almost barely gets brought up in the show. But Mrs. Moody, the woman who visited her twice and was basically like the contemporary like Grace Marks expert. Everybody else is constantly talking about Mrs. Moody. Grace never talks about her once. In the book? In the book. Yeah. She never once is like, remember this weird lady that came to see me and then she wrote all this shit? She talks about the newspapers. She talks about that weird valley. Like she talks about all these things, but never the only other person Mm -hmm. who's like attempted to tell the whole story. Yeah. And I think that is so interesting. Well, so there's a lot to unpack there is a Susanna Moody is a real person and her book about Grace. I'm forgetting the title about it now is kind of what got Margaret Atwood interested in writing this. So I think Susanna Moody's book is the sort of antithesis of what Alias Grace is as a book. In that it's still Margaret Atwood trying to understand this person and trying to make this person really to serve this person up for our consumption in the same way that Susanna Moody did. But she's trying to do it in a way that instead of pointing the mirror of like blame or like craziness Mm -hmm. on Grace, I think Atwood points it at everyone around her, which is why the book has the device of, you know, we see so much more of Dr. Jordan's story and we see, you know, from other sources, we get such a better view than in the Moody book because the Moody book just focuses on Grace. Well, in the Moody book, I mean, it was meant to be this sort of like scandalous pot boiler. I mean, it was contemporaneous, essentially. And wasn't it like discredited, though? Like a lot of what she said was like not true. Yeah, well, she was like, uh, we have a cup of true crime writers like that today that like really sensationalize things and just make their living of like churning out these books. Yeah. And I get the impression that she's like that. And she also, I remember reading Susanna Moody got super into like the mesmerism and the supernatural things. So they kind of discredited her after the fact because they're like, oh, she's she's kind of crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Which is another, I mean, I can see a world too where we read the autobiography of Susanna Moody and we're like, she was so persecuted. She's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But we're talking about Elias Grace. We're not talking about Susanna Moody. I just really think it's fascinating because all the men yeah. keep bringing her up. Yeah. Like the Reverend brings her up. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jordan brings her up. I'm pretty sure the, the lawyer brings her up. Yep. And they're all like being like, oh, well, Susanna Moody, blah, blah, blah. And Grace is just like, Susanna who? I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like that didn't even happen she to me. She pulls that classic like Mariah Carey, like, uh, I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> Grace is Mariah Carey. Like, let's be honest. Um, the big difference that I noticed from the show to the book in the book, Grace is described as having virtually no Irish accent. Which is weird because I think the reason that it's included in the show is to have such a stark difference mm-hmm. from when she's talking in the scary, don't you fucking dare do it. She talks in the, <laughs> in the scary... Yeah, that's in part uh, two of this. Mary Whitney I won't, voice. I won't talk like Mary Whitney until it's time. <laughs> you better not. Um, but that's... So that's interesting. So in the book, and again, we'll discuss this next episode a little more, they... Dr- they talk about her speaking in a different tone of voice during that part, but it's it's certainly not as jarring as in the in the show where there where she has like no accent. Yeah. 
and you're like, oh my God, you're very Canadian. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I don't mind it because the Irish accent is so melodious and beautiful Mm -hmm. to hear. (laughs) And because so much of it is her talking, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't particularly bother me, but I think it's included as a detail in the book specifically to be like, you know, like the Eminem song, White America, I could be one of your kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, Grace is not remarkable. Yeah, I agree. In comparison with other servants, she's she's just this normal woman. I mean, at this point in history in North America, if you're a white person and most of the time when you're a person of color, like unless you're First Nations or Native American, like you're an immigrant. Right. And, you know, I think that is what is so scary. Sure. To her contemporaries is like, oh, my God any servant of mine could just kill me. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's the, you know, that's sort of the human conundrum is like any relationship that I enter into with any other person. Absolutely. They could murder me. Absolutely. Well, I think that's so funny to skip a little bit is at the end when Grace is like, oh, we don't have a servant because they listen at doors. (laughs) It's like, what you're not saying is sometimes servants murder you. (laughs) Let's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's talk a little bit about I think the the main thing that you get from the book that you don't get from the show is the device of learning so much about Dr. Jordan via his shitty shitty letters to his <laughs> shitty shitty friends and his awesome mom <laughs> <laughs> I like his mom very much just because I can picture her so clearly as like this old, old lady who's being so passive aggressive in every letter. And I, I love her so much. I did not like her when I listened to the audiobook oh. because you didn't get any of the letters from the end of the book. <laughs> the, no, the they best. cut out the whole end of the book. Oh, that's basically because like they made essentially the same choice is the show where he left because of grace mm. not because mrs humphreys's husband is coming home and right. and she's like let's run away and he's like oh you were just my side bitch like you're not <laughs> this isn't a thing the other thing that we do get to know about dr jordan in the book is that he has had hella sex oh and because he seems like such a weird boner riffic virgin in the show no i got i don't know if i got that impression in the show because i had read the book yeah, but i maybe. was like this guy's a freak and, and, <laughs> and he says it in such a like gross way in his i can't remember if it's in his letters home or if it's i just, think there there's there's interior third person omniscient that's right that's what because he wouldn't ever write about this to his weird friend that's or true. i think he would he mentions it kind of but um, like not not as graphically as he thinks it in his mind you know right. what i mean like he's still a victorian it's it's very funny because he talks about going to brothels as kind of like an anthropological study when it's like, nah, you're getting your dick wet. Like, don't. No, it's for science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm but, fucking for science. But it also kind of, and he, he laments that in Kingston, it's such a small town, there's no way he could just discreetly go to the brothel. <laughs> he says it. He definitely says that he wishes he could, but he can't. Oh, um, you're so thirsty. He is. And I think it's funny because at this this through this whole book he perceives himself as more sophisticated and cosmopolitan than the people in Kingston and it just he's he's really not. <laughs> no, he's super basic. He's so and, basic. I mean, it's sort of the human frailty to be like I am a special person mm-hmm. uh cuz you're not. I mean, not. maybe the people close to you, but like generally speaking, we're yeah. all the same. We all want to visit a brothel and it's inconvenient to do so. I hate that it is, but it is. Can I tell you a super awkward story about my dad? Yes, please. (laughs) God, yes. I went out to dinner with my family when I was home visiting Uh and we're driving home and my dad had had a couple belts, I think. And he's like, back there, there's a brothel back there. And like, it's me and my brother and my mom in the car. And we're all just like, we are not acknowledging that that was said. But I'm like, I don't even know. A, I'm like, excuse me, B, why would you say that to your wife and your adult children? Oh, that's weird. I don't like that. I don't like that story either. And I'm like, dad, I don't need this. Not that there's anything wrong with engaging sex workers, but that your dad said it is weird. I don't want to know about anything that they do, you know? Anyway, that's a super awkward story. Wait till Uh, we watch Harlots. You should have saved that for the Harlots Hopefully my parents will never listen to this. (laughs) Oh, man. If your parents have hung on this long (laughs) and this, they're like, I don't like that tone. 
that was a well, dad the thing that, like they would never say anything to me like they never like want me to know that they were listening to it <laughs> my grandma does that too she's like a friend of mine watched your comedy videos like grandma you watched it i showed you how to use youtube so that you could watch it and she's like my friend said to use some colorful language i was like yeah grandma you i learned i learned it from you uh, anyhow did you in i think we've talked about this personally but did you like all this insight into dr Jordan? i loved it <sighs> girl you know i love a problematic man <sighs> you really do i loved it Every, I was like, oh, let me fix you. <laughs> Every time he started writing a letter to his dumb friend, I'm like, you need to shut up right now. I, I hate I hate every time you open your pen and begin this letter. It's so stupid. It, it's so shitty. Um, I hate Ashley it so much. It was probably a quill pen. Okay. Um, actually, it was probably like a like a dip pen. Wow. I'm hating this conversation even more than I hated those parts of that book. I'm going to write you an old timey letter. No, I would gone. love that. That would be fun because you're not going to be like, oh, I, he's, he's the worst. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write you an old timey letter, but it's just going to be the text of one of Simon George. You son of a bitch. I will be, you should like hide it. And like the first sentence is like, hey, Maldol, having a good time. Love it. Anyway, my dear friend, like, fuck you. <laughs> Because he's the worst friend. Oh, he's a terrible friend. He's such a Debbie Downer because he'll say to his friend, his friend just got engaged and he's not going to come home and see like any of his friend's wedding or anything. He was like, I'm so happy that you are going to have a nice marriage. I will probably never get married and will be sad forever. Me, me, me. And my mother keeps trying to fix me up with perfectly acceptable people, but I go to brothels because I'm very cool. I think only of the well-being of the insane. He actually reminds me, and this is like a weird deep cut, he reminds me of all of like the 'er ne'er-do-well protagonists of Ibsen Plays. There are always these like middle class assholes who are like, mm, I got syphilis and now everything's <laughs> terrible. I mean, granted, that's true. I mean, yes, there was nothing terrible. to be done for syphilis. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But he's a shitty friend and I hate reading he's his letters. He's a shitty letters. friend and a shitty son. He's 30. Ugh. He's 30 years old and he just like refuses to do anything. His dad like lost all their money mm-hmm. and his mom keeps being like, hey, Invest in sewing machines. Hey, I hear these sewing machines are a good investment. Why don't you invest in a sewing machine? And he's just like, ugh. Sewing's for girls. Call me when there's a sewing machine for the insane. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't you hate when you're one friend, like you're at a party, and all they want to talk about is founding insane asylums. It's so annoying. When they perseverate about insane asylums. You bitch. I wanted to use that first. (gasps) Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were setting me up. No. We can go back nope. and I can edit it out. Nope. nope. You sit with that. Do you want to just say perseverate? Perseverate. Great. <laughs> yeah. So he's a bad friend and a bad person. I wonder if we're there yet. He talks about, I'm going to put air quotes, having an affair with the servants. Yeah. Whew, that's not in the show, but that changes things so much. It really does. So he talks about being a young man when his family had money and there being lots of young servant ladies who worked at the house with and him. And he would go sneak around in their quarters. Ugh, and like touch their underwear. And he was a full on creep. Yeah. Well, and let me ask you this. What's your opinion on... Underwear touching? Hate it. Uh, yes. Okay. But this kind of thing happens a lot in TV and movies where I feel like... I don't know if it's that they eliminate these unsavory characteristics for palatability's sake or just because they don't you know they clearly didn't have the time in the tv show but this has happened the two biggest examples i can think of are divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood uh have you read that no that was probably a little like before your time i read one of the uh sequel books okay um i think it's like yaya's right again yeah anyway in the book you find out that the main character i cannot remember her name caro no i don't know anyway the mom of Sandra Bullock played Maggie Smith. No, Ellen Burstyn. Okay. You find out she sexually abused both of her sons, their entire childhood. (sighs) And that of course didn't make it into the movie, the movie anywhere, but here, which was an adaptation of a book starring Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman. You find out Natalie Portman's character sexually assaulted a bunch of dudes. Like, I mean, and like teenagers, but like she was sexually assaulting people and they edit all that out. Mm. (sighs) 
I don't know. Like, and I feel like books are always darker. Yeah. Than what we do in movies and TV. And I just don't know. It's not even like an ethical question, but I'm just like, you're changing this character because we know in the TV show, Alias Grace, you're like, okay, well, Dr. Jordan has this sort of purient interest Mm -hmm. in Grace, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem particularly out of the ordinary in terms of like somebody you're just spending a whole lot of time with. You kind of get that weird animal like, oh, like, do I like you? Yeah, that's interesting. I think you miss out on a lot of Dr. Jordan's creep factor in the TV show because I think they kind of just mention in passing that he's thinking of opening ins- insane asylums. Yeah. But this is this is like his whole thing. And I think th- so much of his story is cut for time and I don't mind that because no, I no, no. don't. No, no, no. And I think they made the right choice in focusing on Grace. But it certainly changes things when you read the book and you find out that he as the master's kid has had relations with a servant woman mm-hmm. several times and thinks of them fondly. And I think there is a point, there's like one sentence after Grace talks about Mary Whitney getting in trouble with uh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Alderman's Parkinson's son, that he's like, huh, was that bad that I did that? Nah! <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he just, it, it just is another, this is a book about hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a huge hypocrite hypocrite for being like, oh, it's so sad about Mary Whitney. It's like, how do you know you didn't do that to that girl? And how do you and he talks about in his remembering of it, the servant woman, he was embarrassed that he got caught watching her. He starts crying and she's like, oh, don't. Don't cry. Come here. And they have sex after that. Uh, in his recollection, that's how it went. just curled up in on itself. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he doesn't even get that because the power dynamic is so different. Her consent is so murky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just People doesn't don't get that today. Oh God, yeah. Have you been reading the news? Have you been asleep for two months? Uh, I've been trying. <laughs> so it, he's he's a real real creep in this book, mm-hmm. and I mean just the way that he's interested in people with mental illnesses. Oh, absolutely! It is so like a penny dreadful. Like no, yeah, and I mean it's like he has trusted up to be respectable but he's not that respectable no. that's why his mother has such a hard time fixing him up with people because yeah. they're like he does what no i don't want to i don't want to get involved with this he's a weirdo yeah i mean you know he's talking to a celebrated murderess that's what yeah. he's doing for work right for now. funsies yeah well you'll even see sometimes where they're talking about spe- specifications for said asylum and he's like eh. The water should be good, but like what we're mainly concerned about is really observing these guys. Yeah. It's like, oh boy, you're not in this for the right reasons, I don't think. No. So here's what I'm thinking. Just knowing like this is going to be two episodes. Why don't we spend some time talking about Grace and Mrs. Alderman Parkinson right. and Mary Whitney. And then in the second one, we can talk more about like the Kinnears and the murders and the okay. hypnosis. Perfect. Does that Perfect. seem reasonable? Yeah. So... One thing that I can't believe I didn't get until I reread the book mm-hmm. was, oh, Grace is upset by doctor's knives because a doctor put a knife inside Mary Whitney and cut something out of her and then she died. I don't know why, like, I was just like, oh, she's like very like fragile and sensitive. And then nope. I was like, oh, she has a very practical reason Absolutely. to not want to fuck with doctors with knives. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, it- and isn't the doctor in the beginning of the book has this weird like phrenology thing that mm-hmm, he's trying mm-hmm. on her head? Yeah. Doctors were just scarier then also. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when we talk about modern medicine, mm-hmm. uh, it's real modern. Like it's been real shitty for a really long time. Yeah. And it's still not great. Like in terms of psychology, we don't know hardly anything about the human brain. <laughs> that reminds me of the uh, Dr. Spichemin quote from 30 Rock where he goes... <laughs> You know, and we're still not quite sure where the heart is. <laughs> but you're right. To There is only so much that we know about how we work. Uh-huh. And yet there are people bold enough to hazard guesses about how other people work. What I love about Victorian era doctors, and you get this more in a show like Deadwood, but <laughs> the, the town doctor... <sighs> 
in his youth was run out of town for grave robbing because that's the only way you could learn anything there was no about the way. human body you had to be like oh probably nobody's gonna be upset if i rob this corpse whoops he guessed wrong <laughs> sidebar every time you watch godless aren't you like oh, i could be rewatching deadwood yes oh my god i finished godless which i hope you didn't because did. you seem like you liked it even less than i did i finished it i finished it and like that gun battle was dope was the horses in the house that was yeah so cool. that was so cool but like i was like i did not need seven episodes of fucking daddy oh my issues. god no the last or this guy going blind i don't care about that guy that show didn't care about that guy oh this is we're gonna take this anyway line. don't watch godless don't if you haven't already this. just uh, wait for a super cut of the women in joe jen reed <laughs> or or uh listen to uh my other podcast failure to launch we just covered mulaney which is a bad show uh, <laughs> it is so bad but in the last i'm gonna say five minutes of that podcast so if you don't want to listen to that whole podcast go to the mulaney episode go to the last five minutes my partner mitchell sings his lyrics to the godless theme song <gasps> which are honestly the best part of that show that's is, exciting is i made up lyrics i will do this okay they're so oh god oh i miss him that's a great song did you say you miss him i miss him Aww. he's gone this weekend oh i didn't know he was gone this weekend happy yeah. anniversary you guys just had four-year anniversary we yeah? sure did congrats thanks uh, i, I want to point out oh go ahead no i was just congratulating you on Thank having you. a successful relationship uh, it's going good so far <laughs> I wanted to point out a quote that I thought was funny and see what you think about it. It's a very, this whole novel is filled with, filled with Atwoodian sort of paragraph structure mm-hmm. where she'll say one kind of nice thing and then immediately after say a dark or gross yeah. thing. So um, I'm on page 32, the mayor's daughter. Ta- or the uh, governor's daughter? Pardon me. The governor's daughter. I was sh- like, the mayor. <laughs> Mayo Whittles? <laughs> no, the governor's daughter is showing Grace her scrapbook and it's got all these little notes from her friend. What are you no, laughing? I'm laughing because what a bitch. Yeah. Like, come on. This bougie little asshole. It's I like, know. Grace, do you want to look at my scrapbook? Ugh. Grace, do you want to look at my scrapbook? No, I fucking killed someone. <laughs> I don't have time for your bullshit. Um, so she's, mouse. she's showing, she's showing Grace her scrapbook and Grace is remarking at these like very earnest, like little girl letters that she writes to her friend that have all these like beautiful flowy poems that are like, although, and they've been like, haven't seen their friend for a week. And they're like, although far from you, I must roam. Do not be broken hearted. We two who in the soul are one are never truly parted. You're Lucy. And then the next sentence says, this young lady was shortly afterwards drowned in a lake when her ship went down in a gale. <laughs> so it's just very funny that we are constantly... It is funny because this is an instance of female friendship that we see to hold next to Grace and Mary Whitney. Is like Grace and Mary Whitney loved each other mm-hmm. deeply and probably thought these like very earnest like best friend things. But their friendship isn't immortalized in this flowery, overblown way. Mm-hmm. It's like very real and like sleeping next to each other and smelling each other. I and bet they would have texted constantly also yes. had they the means to do yes. so. They would have sent so many gifts. So I, I can just imagine if Miss Lydia knew the story, she'd be like, hey, man. I have a dead friend too. Yeah. My friend died in the lake. She's oh like, my- oh really? Because my friend died because someone put a goddamn knife in her <laughs> vagina and cut out a baby. And she's like, wow, you're you're no fun to talk to. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. From now on, Grace, you don't talk. We just look at my scrapbook. Okay. Let's look at my scrapbook. Tell me the boys you like. Just kidding. Don't. <laughs> oh, I just remembered that Miss Lydia loves Dr. Jordan and that's so gross. But again, she's like the, like she's the governor's daughter of a prison. Mm-hmm. Like people are also looking at her kind of weird like oh but your dad he like works at the prison huh it's gross do we have anything to say about mary hitchney so some people on our facebook when we had discussions of the show episode by episode are like yo i don't think mary whitney was a person that's really interesting and i i didn't think that until i watched the show yeah and maybe not until they brought it up i don't know i can't remember when i had which thoughts but i suppose it is possible Mm mm-hmm and I was reading a recap or, you know, maybe one of the like the articles that were on Slate or something like, oh, Mrs. Alderman Parkinson is dead and can't corroborate him. Like, she's not mm-hmm. dead. She just lives in America. Like, yeah. Grace, Grace is stupid. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I don't think to whatever degree Grace is sort of pulling everybody's strings. Right. She's good enough at it that she's gotten this far. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think Mary Whitney was a real person. I think so too. And I, I think it's also entirely possible after the fact that she became, you know, this part of grace that was cordoned off. Yeah. You know, whether that's a manifestation of a mental illness or a legit ass ghost. And to certainly, I mean, to give some kind of evidence, Dr. Jordan goes on kind of like the Grace Marks tragedy tour <laughs> of... The uh, tragedy Grace Marks tour <laughs> is coming to take you away. <laughs> so he goes on that tour and he goes back to the Kinnear's house and he goes to the graveyard and he can see the graves of Nancy Montgomery and Thomas Kinnear and then a little ways away he sees a grave that says Mary Whitney so there is physical proof that there's a Mary Whitney grave somewhere yeah, but it's also a pretty generic name yeah and I think he says that in the book he's like yeah. he could have just made this up yeah so it's not like like Dr. Jordan had the thought first that I'm, maybe Mary Whitney right. is a fake ass person <laughs> right I for one believe that she's a real person and that that trauma of losing her so graphically mm-hmm set her off and that's kind of another thing to think about too with lydia having lost her friend it's like lydia seems fine <laughs> yeah you know well so. but i mean lydia has been protected in a way that grace has not like not that bourgeois women weren't subjected to the patriarchy mm-hmm. but there are more layers to go absolutely through. and the other thing that i wonder we get such a selective view of Grace and her personality. Mm-hmm. But when we see, and I think we see this much more in the show, you get it a little bit in sort of like McDermott's testimony and stuff in the book, but she apparently would have these swings. Yeah. And where she's not only being extremely sexual and forward with certain men, but also being very violent and like inciting to violence. And it's like, when did this start? And is that a thing? Is that a thing? Did it start before Mary Whitney or after? I mean, we just, and there's no, there's no answer. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, you cannot make sense of this book. No. And I thought for sure. So arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) I thought for sure. I was like, no, no, no. This is going to be the time I read the book and I get it. (laughs) No. No, I mean, it's been deliberately constructed this way. Oh, as so was her actual story. Yeah. Well, it's if all... we could have figured it out by now, we would have. But she disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. She punked us. Well, it's also kind of if it's murky on purpose, it's kind of holding the mirror to us as a reader and be like, how dare you pass judgment? How dare you try to untangle this woman mm-hmm. that everybody else has tried to untangle? Yeah. You can't. You How dare you presume that you could? It's great. It's, yeah. It's, oh. it's amazing. And that's, again, that's why I say I get something different out of it every time. And mm. I think, yeah. you know, this time I didn't think I was going to get anything out of it. Partic- you know, I, I didn't go in like, you, like I'm going to figure it out. But I was just <laughs> like, well, but I knew that there were parts of it that I'd missed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those were mostly Dr. Jordan-esque. So it was confirmed that he's my type. Um, just creep. Creep nobody else wants. Real creep. Real creep. <laughs> you know Dr. Jordan would be a stand-up and be like, how come ladies don't like me? All I do is talk about insane people. Like, that's great, right? <laughs> Ugh, I hate him so much. Like, how come Allison Mix not my friend? I like serial killers, too. <laughs> Allison Mix material on serial killers is just... Mwah, it's so good. So tasty. Ugh. Good job, Allison. I just had lunch with her. I love how much we talk about her on this podcast. She's the Mary Whitney of this podcast. <laughs> Except she's not dead. She's alive. She has she's a dog. She's very much alive. <laughs> I had lunch with her. She has a dog uh, named Scamp. Very cute. There's just so many funny sentences here that are... It It makes me so happy that Margaret Atwood wrote these because they're just so Atwoody and hilarious. It's Dr. on page 89 in chapter 11. Dr. Jordan is talking about meeting the governor's wife, who is more fleshed out in this than she is in the TV show. That's true. And she she's like, oh, you're a doctor? And he goes, I could tell... She was about to make me an unsolicited gift of her symptoms. But <laughs> she does, which is hilarious. Because well, every actually, t- she hears he's a doctor and she's like, oh, I have this thing. That's what people do to me if I tell them that I am an alcoholic in recovery. They're like, really? this is how I drink. And I'm like, I'm not here to give a fuck about you. <laughs> like, if you have a problem, you have a problem. Like, you need to figure that out. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you what you're doing is good or bad. That's hilarious. I never th- would think about so that. It's so funny. People wow. do it all. They do that with my eating disorder and they do that with alcoholism. They're like, well, here's what I do. And I'm like, I don't care what you do. I'm oh. very Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive. <laughs> I don't care. 
I apologize if I've ever been guilty of that. No, no, no. no. Um, I don't think you have actually. Nice. Which well, makes... let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I drank half a bottle of wine last night and watched a bunch of Sex in the City in my bed while eating Fritos. That sounds great. Is that okay? Okay. Oh cool. yeah. Oh man, that sounds amazing. <laughs> but granted, listen, don't listen to me because I heard somebody recently be like, "Oh, I would drink from seven in the morning until midnight and black out," and I'd be like, "That sounds great." Um. Yeah. So right. anyway. I have a problem. You sound fine. Okay, cool. Thanks. (laughs) Glad we got that out of the way. Redheads, if you have any... Just kidding. Oh my God, please. Redheads, if you attack me with your drinkings... Do not. Do not do it. Do not do it. Molly is special. She's here in the flesh. And I'm teasing. Uh, Also, quit recommending the deuce. We're not going to cover the deuce. (laughs) The deuce. The deuce. The The deuce deuce is on fire. In that we have burned it and are not going to talk about it. Yep. I don't know that I have that much more to say about Mary Whitney because I feel like... I feel okay great then you say more things because I did not take good notes at all okay the one thing that I would like to say about Mary Whitney that is different than in the the TV show is that Mary Whitney gives her the prophecy that you will cross the ocean three mm, times yeah. and then and you'll be very happy so they kind of do it in that like same slumber party where they're cutting the apple mm-hmm. and oh I think I highlighted something that made me I had a I point wonder- about I wonder if they gave that to Jeremiah in the show to sort of like give him more bona fides as a mystic. Well, it doesn't make sense that Mary Whitney would tell her that. It's just very like best friend witchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just shit. saying, but I'm saying I think that because they have so much more limited time to create portraits of these people, they're like, oh, hey, you know, Jeremiah is going to tell you these witchy things because we need to introduce more doubt for the end of the series mm. where it's like, Oh, is she hypnotized for real? Is mm-hmm. he accessing the otherworldly? Mm. What's going on here? You know, I, this book, gosh, I wish I had more hard evidence, but in reading the book, I feel more strongly that eventually grace had an inkling of who hurt Mary Whitney. Yes, I agree. Cause, cause it says, <clears throat> I think there's a part where she's talking to Mrs. Alderman Parkinson and she's like, she didn't want me to say what I knew. Yeah. So I think eventually she comes eventually she figures it out. But I think at the time that Mary Whitney died, she did not know. Okay. Because like the way because she says something in the book. That's right. That it's like the gentleman in question must have lived very close because she was not gone. Uh, for You were so long. right. That yeah. is what I was thinking of. Well, that was because I spent that entire day that I was in Seattle rewatching the show and like proving myself would be like, she didn't know. Cool. <laughs> it's great that I have a job now. <laughs> <laughs> Anything interesting? We get an interesting character that we don't get in the TV show in that we meet Grace's Aunt Pauline. Right. Who's really cool. Who's her mother's sister and who we get a lot of cool back, interesting backstory about um, her life in Ireland, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. So like well, her, Aunt Pauline married. What was his? Was he a storekeeper? Yeah. He has like a millinery. Yeah. Or something nice. So like. They would, like, help out Grace's family from time to time, but it was like, you know, they couldn't be helping them constantly. And Grace's mom just got with this guy who was bad news. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see it. I feel like I always read this in books, but it's like, oh, like, he seemed fine. But then it turned out he was this horrible alcoholic who would get a job and then lose it and, you know, drink up all the family's money. And it, it talks about, so we see a couple young women in this book who are trapped by pregnancy. And the Mm -hmm. first one that we see is Grace's mother. And she talks about, this is on page 111, not sure what chapter, in my version it's 111, and it says, so it's Aunt Pauline talking to Grace about her mother who got pregnant and had to marry her father. And she says, and too many young women were caught in this fashion. And she was only telling me this so that I would not do the same. So the idea of caught, you're like, oh, Oops, pregnant now. But Grace is actually physically caught by the police. And so Aunt Pauline is right. She didn't get caught by being like forced to be pregnant. She got caught (laughs) by the 5-0. Pregnant by murder. (laughs) This this Christmas on Hallmark Channel. Pregnant pregnant by by murder. murder. I want to watch that now. Marsha K. Harden, where are you? (laughs) And then we think of, you know, Mary Whitney is caught. Oh, she... She got hella caught. She got got. And then she got caught inside of Grace. Possibly. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was a scary way to say that. Well, she did, you know, and she didn't open the window in time. That's true. And then we think of Nancy Montgomery getting caught twice, basically. <sighs> she did get caught twice. Oof. And then Grace. And she thought she was saved, but she wasn't saved. Grace herself is the only person in this book who has like a pregnancy that's not talked about at length. Like she is maybe pregnant or definitely pregnant when she leaves the insane asylum. Mm hmm. And and then she's pregnant at the end of the book, maybe. I know. Okay, we'll talk about that. Oh next my episode. god, I your love face that. just lit up. <laughs> I really like that. Okay, we're gonna talk about the next episode. <laughs> and then at the end of this discussion, she says, "So my mother and father each felt trapped by each other. It's like men and women are trapping each other left and right yeah. by obligations. So think about this when we talk about Mrs. Humphreys at the mm-hmm. end of the book. Think about this with almost every female in this book is." caught in a way so that wraps up part one of the alias grace book discussion until next time nolite teba stardes carborundorum dum 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 Happy Hanukkah. <laughs>